All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Well, at least I knocked on wood, I tried. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? What up, whoreheads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Daniel DeBona, and if you are watching live, you are seeing, or if you're just listening, you might notice Dave's not here. Uh, we come, we've been telling you on Instagram, Dave wasn't going to be able to be here. He had some obligations he had to fulfill tonight. So I went to a longtime friend of the show and frequent uh, guest host, uh, Michael Hunger, to see what we can do. We're having a few technical difficulties. We're going to hope we hang in there. How are you, Hunger? I'm doing great. Glad to be back. Good to see you guys. And since I'm here, you know, this is not going to be a great movie. <laughs> As we are wont to do when Dave isn't here, Hunger and I love to peruse those those on-demand titles that you might have missed that never came out or never or that never came out in theaters that that never even got like a little brand new on Netflix block. And that's exactly what we did this week as we went out and we found a Netflix original horror movie called Choose or Die. Now, Choose or Die is, well, it's kind of what it sounds like. It is a video game-based horror movie uh, that, you know, kind of makes you decide whether you're going to die or people around you are, but we'll get into all that. So as we get started in a section that we're just going to be calling reality is cursed in a section that we're going to be calling reality is cursed you know there's like like i started to say here there's a premise to this movie that is you know it's a video game right so it's it's kind of out there but it's also it's not like it's nothing we've never seen before so the question is i mean how do you feel about this movie it, it did it if nothing else, it reached for the absolute stars. I mean, did it play for you? Did it deliver? What'd you think? Oh, no. It would appear we are back to being fraught with technical difficulties as Michael Hunger seems to be frozen. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, mine's coming in. All right. Well, if you are watching live or you are um, or you are listening, we are trying to get this sorted out. But like I said, this movie, if nothing else, I mean, it went out there. It, it tried to do it. It tried to make the damn thing happen. And, you know, I, it's interesting to sit on this one 24 hours later and try to decide how well this premise actually plays, because. When it starts off, you're kind of led to believe that you're going to be watching, like I said, a choose-your-own-adventure. What it really does is it, it kind of goes back to those days of those text-based uh, video games uh, from the 80s. And then it starts to alter reality. All sorts of stuff happens that we're going to get into in the story. And hopefully we're going to get hunger back into this as we see what's going on. But, I mean, for me, 
if nothing else, it was fun. Uh, this movie wasn't necessarily scary. It had some scary parts. It had some thrilling parts, but I don't know that I would call the movie as a whole that scary. But I did, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. So um, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna kind of keep vamping here. We're gonna see if hunger gets back in, and if not, we might just have to can this thing. But like I said, it, it, it it's campy. It's it's interesting. It's got a good amount of blood. It really throws you straight into it as it all gets started. So it's hard to say whether or not it delivered on the premise because you don't really know what the premise is when it starts off. And you kind of learn as you go that it's more than just there's this video game and people who play it die. It ends up becoming way deeper than that, which does make it more interesting. And I think that that's where this movie kind of reaches further than I thought it was going to, which is we end up kind of seeing it's not just about keeping yourself alive. It's about whether or not you can keep your loved ones alive. Um, Hunger, are you back? Do we got you in here? I think I am. It's held out for the last of my video. Uh, Let's see. Let me take this time to Comcast is not a good internet service. I hate that they have a monopoly over internet service here in Tuscaloosa. (laughs) Oh man. Well, we are trying to fight our way through this, but like I said, it there's, there's, there's some fascinating things that are put on display here. Oh, don't worry. It's spicier. If we can manage to get, Oh no, you are not coming through. You're we're getting like every third or fourth word, maybe, and then you keep freezing. We got a really uh, if you're watching live, we've got a really unflattering freeze of hunger there for a second. Okay, he's back. He's back, maybe. Yeah, for now. <laughs> All right, so give it a shot. What do you think? Did this movie deliver for you? I mean, did you like it? Like I said, I do not know what the deal is with my Wi-Fi. I will say that this movie worked in the sense that it was a movie. Uh, It was a series of moving pictures that were. uh, So, yeah, don't don't worry. This is what I was telling you. I was coming in firing a whole lot of opinions on this one. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here and then I'm going to backtrack it very quickly at the end. So just fair warning, hopefully this picks this up because I put a lot of thought into this and I'm going to get really annoyed if the Wi-Fi prevents me from sharing any of this opinion. All right. Give me what you got. So the thing about this movie, like I said, it was definitely a series of things in order. It kind of reminded me at times of the movie scripts I would write when I was a kid. Like, you know, my early teens, I was really into like writing movies where I didn't have any concept of, you know, screenwriting. So I would kind of envision in my head a scene. I'm like, oh, this scene's really cool. And then try to build a movie around that one specific scene. Right. This reminded me of that in a lot of ways. 
is like at some point he just pictured the kid just regurgitating all this film reel and was like oh that's really cool now how can i turn that into a movie (laughs) so there was a lot of that you're not wrong uh the the dialogue sucked the dialogue sucked there was a lot of meaningless little chit chat that serve nothing in the story besides you know that kind of classic well that went well kind of type of commentary <laughs> of you know people <laughs> saying things for the sake of saying things right uh there was the whole non the nondescript nature of it bugged me a lot which i know this was an english movie it's made by english people the actors are english for the most part it was filmed in england Yes. But the thing that really hung with me. So the Marvel movies, so many movies in America now are not filmed in America. Yeah, you've got the Chicago, you've got the Atlanta. But for the most part, it's Toronto and Vancouver. Stand in for America. Never have any problems. It looks like America unless you know what Toronto and Vancouver look like. So this thing that's filmed in England is all these, you know, tenement style buildings, the kind of of cabrini green looking apartment complexes right but then within the first 15 minutes they show you a police car that does not say police on it it is an <laughs> unmarked police car it's got 911 it's got the the squad car number it's got everything else do like could you not get the rights to the word police is that not <laughs> like you can't even it's heavily implied this is supposed to take place in new york Right. But do they not have the rights to New York and England for for whatever reason? Uh, I even it bugged me so much I paused, like whenever they show the eviction notice on the on the uh, refrigerator door, right? Because of course they showed the eviction notice. Why would this girl want one hundred twenty five thousand dollars if she wasn't being kicked out of her apartment? They're you know fuck that. I need <laughs> to pay my rent to make sure I can stay here. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be worried about this. But in this little letterhead of this eviction notice, the address, and I don't know if you are as anal as I am that you would have looked at this. No. You could have Googled, Google Maps, a random spot in New York. They could have Google Maps, a random spot in New York. It's like 2023 80th Street Northwest, New York. No city, not New York City, <laughs> New York State. It just says the address and then the state, New York. And then it says the zip code for Cape May, New Jersey. That <laughs> is such a Michael Hunger thing to know. I feel like. I think I took more time being annoyed researching that address than they ever thought like oh let's slap some numbers throw new york on here because at no point in the movie do they ever reference where it is other than the word upstate later on they yes. mentioned that it's yes, upstate and upstate. upstate pretty much only ever refers to new york You're also another wrong. thing that bugged me another uh credit to the another credit to the production value of this thing and just to remind you of how I warned you this rant that I was prepared to go on at least this one time. I might get a little more frosty later. We'll see. Um, 
so this one is more to your tastes because it's music related uh shout out to liam howlett of the prodigy because he did a great job with the synth music and all the background stuff yes he did so the pop culture references music wise you've got because again reminder this is an uh, english movie gary newman uh-huh you've got fad gadget <laughs> and then you've got fucking run dmc <laughs> so you're like okay Eng english synth pop english synth pop american hip-hop artist yes it's like like whenever he isaac is introducing to kayla it's like oh what do you listen to it's like oh it's fad gadget and it's like oh this is terrible it's like well you like the last one i played for you it's like what are you talking about uh run dmc it's like okay i don't know what the comparison he's trying to make in that of like well you liked run dmc i don't understand why you don't like fad gadget it's because to the, uh, you know, he, he's always going to be Asa Butterfield to me. Sure, he had a name in the movie, right? It was Isaac. To him, just everything. <laughs> Isaac was this, this, you know, encapsulation of just, I think he even called it, didn't he call the 80s like the greatest cultural decade in history or something like that? So to him, it's like, ah, it came out in the 80s, it's the same. And no, that doesn't make any sense because yeah, liking Gary Newman or Fad Gadget doesn't mean that you're gonna be into Run DMC. Those are drastically different things. Yeah, that's a. You're right. He does call it uh, the greatest pop culture decade. Yes, I think it's specifically what he says. Yes, the greatest um, pop culture. But decade. so, all right. So you, uh, we've all gone together on this magical rant of the way my brain works in processing this movie. I'm now mm -hmm. going to backtrack that. All those things I described, poor production value, bad dialogue, all this other kind of uh, sort of loosely linear nonsense. You know what that reminded me of? <laughs> What's that? Bad video games. Old yeah. video games. You're, yes. I Absolutely. just went on a rant telling you how this movie didn't work in the sense of a movie because it is a good movie portrayed as a bad or like low budget indie video game. Yes. Absolutely. You're 100% on that. That is the thing. It, the whole premise of this movie is this idea that in the 80s, this video game you know, just kind of came to be because this guy uh, found some alien code, which is, you know, going to take us into our next section that we're going to call level one. And I mean, let's get into the story of this thing. We eventually find out that this company in the 80s comes across this uh, code. It's essentially a coding language that is alien symbols. And they realize that they can write a game where horrible things will happen to people and the person who made them happen to that person benefits from it. So, I mean, we've all seen a scary movie about playing a video game in order to survive, but Choose or Die goes in a really different direction with that. When we watch Choose or Die, we end up with this thing where causing someone else to suffer through a game 
it makes you prosper. And the game can actually not only interact with reality, but alter it. I mean, from the very first time we see, we see the guy type in that he's going to get another beer and it appears. And then the label on the beer changes from look behind you to fooled you. And, and so we, we very quickly learn that this game cursor can actually alter the reality in which you're living. So I, I think I kind of see where you're going to go with this. So I'm going to start off and I'm going to say that when it comes to how compelling the story is, there's something really interesting here to be said about the fact that this story as a movie was not fantastic, but this story as an video game released in the eighties was spot on. This story was exactly the way that something that you would have played on an Atari 2600 or even the original Nintendo back when they used to just let anybody make a game. This is the type of shit that you would run into. Stuff that just made no sense. I mean, there are entire YouTube channels dedicated to people going back and playing some of these Nintendo games that were impossible that were just absolutely horrible to play. Um, not, um, uh, what is it? Milo, uh, Milo's Dream Castle or something like that. That original Ninja Turtles game that was so fucking hard. Uh, you, you go back and you find all of these bizarre things that were just so freakishly hard for no reason, for absolutely no reason. So, I mean, what, what do you think the story here, good movie or bad movie, good, bad video game? What do you got for me? So I kind of struggled with the way you worded the notes just because I, I specifically looked up uh, the definition of the word compelling because, again, I'm a <laughs> annoying, terrible person. Uh, in the, the literal definition of the word compelling, I would say, no, it's not compelling, uh, mostly because compelling, adjective, evoking interest, attention, or admiration in a powerfully irresistible way. Was this powerfully irresistible? No. <laughs> I, I watched it i have no urge to watch it again even when i was watching it i was kind of annoyed at the concept a couple of times uh so i would not say compelling uh cool as hell yes interesting okay. yes different yes um i mean toby meekins more power to him uh like i said with the whole it plays as a bad video game I want to give him the benefit of the, of the doubt that that's what he was going for. I'm not going to call him, you know, a Jordan Peele or an Ari Aster type director to where that is definitely what he was going for. And there was much more subtext that we might have misunderstood in this 85 minute Netflix film. Uh, right. But at the same time, it kind of felt like it was cool. Uh, like you said, kind of reminds you of the, those difficult games, uh, like you mentioned, uh, kind of tickled at the mention of the original NES Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I did have a question of that related in my video games trivia that I just did on Monday at the Gray Lady. Uh, <laughs> for anybody listening, at Tallboy Trivia, Facebook and Instagram, uh, Monday nights at 8 in Tuscaloosa. Shameless plug there. Um, as far as the concept goes, though, as cool and interesting as it was, it kind of played like a drawn out black mirror episode. Like I almost feel like that's what he started with. And black mirror was like, eh, 
this isn't really that doesn't meet what we're looking for and he said ah well netflix will give me money to make a movie so we'll go ahead and do that yeah i think that i think that that's uh that's an amazing comparison because you're right this really did pull this really did just kind of play out like a black mirror episode with some filler to make it hit that that 85 minute mark so you could you know call it a feature film and not just a, a long episode of something the thing about the story for me is that they they would kind of they well i would say they kind of, at one point they kind of established some rules for how cursor works they kind of said okay cursor works where you put it on somebody else to play the game if they suffer you prosper like that's the whole thing and so they they created this real loose set of rules how there's a cursor and there's cursees and but then within 15 minutes not even let's call it 10 minutes of establishing these rules we end up with uh with kayla going to the house of the guy that the movie started with and suddenly the rules don't seem like there's this whole new set of things where she injures herself to injure him even though if he was the cursor her getting injured should heal him so she seemed to suddenly be flipped into the role of cursor before she defeated the final boss. Whereas it did establish that this guy that she went, um, that she went up to, uh, fight, uh, what the hell was his name? Uh, how I think was his name. If they even said it. Yeah. How was his name? Um, yeah, I think, I think it was Hal. Yep. Yeah. They, they established that the, the way that Hal became the, the cursor, was that he created a bunch of copies of this game and put it into the wild. They they did something that established how he suddenly was the one who was able to curse people other than just the guy, the shadowy figure at the end that we find out works in this, in this uh, office building. But we never really are given any context for why Kayla suddenly has cursor abilities before she ultimately in the end gets the cursor command prompt which then gives her the the godlike powers of controlling this game in that final boss battle i mean was it a fun concept to be like oh i've got to hurt myself and then my family's got to shoot me to shoot her and yeah that was kind of fun like in a goofy slapstick sort of you know that that seems like something that would happen in episode of futurama where suddenly, oh, well, to hurt to hurt her, you've got to hurt me. So shoot me. You know, like that whole fucking thing didn't make any sense with the rules that they had established, like I said, a mere 10 minutes before. And, uh, you know, the if nothing else, the spirit of Dave is going to carry on in this episode and saying that the number one thing that upset me about this was the fact that when they did finally take the time to establish some rules, they then immediately did not follow them, which is the I mean, that's a cardinal sin of, of horror movie creation, of movie creation, really, is you establish how things work in your universe, and then you immediately shit on it. Like, it, they they took what they had just built, and then the end of it became some sort of weird fan fiction based on their universe that they created. And what could have been, I don't know, maybe a, a good final scene between her and Hal didn't make any sense. So, uh, 
I'm, you know, I of course agree with you on all this. Uh, it does not make sense when you watch it and I'm coming at you more prepared than I've ever been in the, what, five episodes I've been on now. Uh, I've got the power of hindsight. I've took, I've taken the time to look back and really think about all the nonsense for this one. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Uh, as far as, like I said, the linear structure of this movie, nothing makes sense. It's <laughs> a poorly thought out construct. Uh, it's poorly thought out. Nothing's really, you know, they spend more time of, yeah, you could have taken a couple seconds to explain a thing here, to, here or there. And you spent that time reminding everybody that Isaac is a cuck little sad boy uh, who desperately <laughs> wants Kayla. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go back over. We're going to rehash this instead of. It's Asa Butterfield is truly, and, and I know we're going to get to characters, but Asa Butterfield is truly an actor who at one point, not that long ago, seemed like the whole fucking world was in front of him. Like he, he was in, he was in Hugo. He was in Ender's game. It was like, this dude is going <laughs> to just go to the moon. And now this is what Asa Butterfield is doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you said, don't worry. I have things to say about Asa Butterfield in that character <laughs> section. Yeah. Um, but as far as, like I, like I just said, none of that stuff in the well, you mentioned with the fight between Hal and Kayla doesn't make sense. Why do the rules all of a sudden flip for this? Um, I think it is because, and again, it's kind of a lore that does not exist. Uh, you know, you don't get to touch on it at all. It's almost kind of, um, I could see it being there's some deep, because there's a lot of so-called subtext for this movie that is not sure. referenced in the movie at all but i learned it from just reading the wikipedia plot synopsis is like <laughs> the idea that uh the you know the oh the creepy guy is keeping the mom up on drugs and prostituting her out and all this stuff you know little bits and pieces like that that aren't referenced in the movie but then the wikipedia plot synopsis is going in you know in-depth character backstories yeah, literally, it just uh, so makes it seem like he's a crack dealer. It's kind of one of those things where it's just left. Yeah, it's like there's all this sub. Like, is he? We'll get to that eventually. I'll, don't worry, I'll come back to. Uh, I think his name's Lance. Um, Lance. Yeah. So as far as the rule, the rule change goes, I think because realistically, she's probably the. First, if not the, you know, maybe the only person who's ever really been the worthy player or whatever it is the game calls her. Right. Where she's finally made it this far. She sacrificed so much. She's able to actually have a boss battle. So maybe the boss battles work differently, but they never took the time to really explain or dive into that besides just the implication uh, that that is a thing. And okay. then as far as why I think the rules changed, at least in that sense, is now the game is on her side. And the reason, like you, you mentioned, uh, why it seems like she becomes the cursor. So, Hal is the classic 
nostalgic, sad boy. I wish I could go back to a simpler time because things were easier for guys like me kind of person. Uh, so whenever it gives him the opportunity, even though they live in the same time frame, gives him the opportunity, <laughs> hey, uh, we'll leave you alone as long as you spread all these copies. So he burns them all to little cassette tapes. Right. And ships them out to whoever. Whenever she gets access to it, she immediately takes the cassette and uploads it to the fucking internet. <laughs> so I feel like in that sense, the curse was like, oh, hey, somebody who understands technology and can spread this curse to millions, if not billions of people. Fuck this hell guy. He can okay. keep his little cassette tapes. We're going to try to get this girl spreading this thing out as far as we possibly can. Uh, so it kind of swung in her favor that way. Because notice, even even though she destroyed her cassette tape that she got from Isaac, the curse still kept going because she had right. uploaded it to a higher form of technology. Okay. Okay, I'll give you that. I will, I will give you that. You know, speaking of the, the subtext subtext and air quotes here if you were just listening that is uh that is in this movie one of my favorite things just because it was so ridiculously ham-fisted and on the nose was when they went this isn't subtext anymore when hal just when hal burts when hal <laughs> just blurts out how come guys like me aren't allowed to be the hero anymore and i was like whole oh, okay Okay, so yeah, we're just we're gonna hit that one just straight on the nose. Like we're not we're not even gonna pretend like that this is anything else. Like, yeah, look, we gave you we gave you nerdy guy who helped save the girl who's like alternate, like alternative, attractive, and and you know, she's she's of ambiguous racial origins, you know, like all of those things. And then we just get middle-aged white guy who's upset that He's not the people like him aren't allowed to be the hero anymore. I laughed so fucking hard and just bless his heart if that was not a joke that Toby Meekins was writing it that way because that was so fucking funny. Because for anybody who who's not who doesn't realize that Hunger and I are here in, in we're in the middle of the Bible Belt and all of the conservative nonsense being here in Alabama. And so we're and we work in bars here in town and are constantly faced with kids in their with white guys in their 20s who think that the world should just be given to them on a silver platter. And we are face to face with the people who are wondering why they're not represented in the mainstream media anymore. And how come every time they turn on the TV, they don't see someone who looks like them. And so that shit just absolutely killed me. And like I said, just no subtext to it at all. Just here it is. Boom. Ham fisted. We're going to deliver it. Super serious. I really hope that it was supposed to be a joke because there's, I can't see any way that it wasn't, but I really did love that moment. Yeah, that was great. And I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the bar thing because uh, I definitely have kicked out hell before. It's like, <laughs> I don't understand. Why do I need to go? It's like, oh, because you're sexually harassing that girl. Well, why why does she get to stay? It's like, what, what I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, they, and then you know, with what, you know, I, I'm so, 
as as soon as you you started referencing uh that quote i knew which quote followed up with his whole uh anticlimactic i'm the fucking hero and then he slits his own yeah. throat and dies anyway <laughs> Dies anyway. Yes, yes. The guy finally gets his moment, right? And he's going to. It's it's it, it, in his mind. It's martyrdom because he's got to actually take a knife to his own throat, even though it doesn't do any damage. It and and then and he gets to kill her by doing it. It's it's that wet dream of every fucking idiot out there who was like, I'm going to bring down Anheuser-Busch by not drinking Bud Light anymore because they put flag on can, you know? It, it, that's that's what he got. He got to live that moment where something that was purely a symbolic gesture became the most significant thing that he'd ever done in his fucking life. And it still didn't work. By the way, for all y'all out there who aren't drinking Bud Light still, Kid Rock is again. How's that working out for you? <laughs> so i i mean so that that while, while that boss battle and the rules that were established there were so bizarre how became something very interesting but before we get into characters and stuff like that even though we did just kind of delve into all of it there were there were a couple of things in the story of this movie just as it played out that did lead to it being very interesting like and i think that you hit the nail on the head with it at the top when you were talking about there was somebody who had an idea or a handful of ideas for things that were going to be cool you know and when we get to kills we'll go into some of those but then he was like what if there was a scene where do you, you know, a video, an old school video game was playing out and you were watching it and it looked like, you know, this old game, but you were trying to keep your mom alive. Or what if you were driving and it was a cheat code, it enabled a cheat mode. And, you know, you get all these quirky little things that were, that, that were, that were interesting. That was the one thing that kept me going with this movie was at least at multiple times, it was, it was visually fun. And um, I and also I'm a I'm a sucker for any time somebody manages to reference freaking um, as like, you know, kind of the early days of hacking. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with what I'm talking about when I'm saying freaking and you want to Google that, it's with a PH and freaking was when people you figured out that dial tones on phones were code and you could get into secret shit with it. Like there are documentaries about people who figured out how to hack dial tones and used it to access secret government locations. So, and I, 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 that was one of the very first hacking things that I ever fell in love with. And even though they never actually used the word freaking and they just glanced over it casually, I did enjoy seeing it referenced in a movie. Yeah, there were, um, and that's again the thing that like how it works as a as a bad video game, uh, good yeah. movie kind of thing is all the the ways that they approached it, and maybe this is not the category I, I should be talking about it in, but I've got notes on uh you know just the aesthetics, the way they you can tell at least the people who made this uh love nostalgic video games. Right. Shout out. I tried to look up specific people, but man, there are just so many people that could be named specifically for this, and I don't want to misname anybody. So if for whatever reason this gets 
to your ears if you worked on netflix's choose or die in any form of visual effects uh sound editing anything like that props to you you were awesome you did like that it was such an amazing job of as you mentioned the the little rat maze thing uh yeah. the cheat code the driving scene where it almost like the characters didn't really realize they were part of a video game at the time and then just the whole overall visual of the text-based adventure was cool. Uh, I mean, you know, like you you touched on earlier, uh, the way it affected real life, you know, it says, do you want coffee or cake? And then the little arrow thing over, and she looks over, and the whole menu is just coffee and cake, forcing her into that decision. And just the way they kind of played anything you could have ever thought of for video games into the movie uh up to and including like there's not really any sort of gore or violence which is strange for me watching you, you know usually i watch these kind of movies because it's the reason you have me do these with you because i love these movies for whatever reason i like nothing more than to turn my brain off and watch bad horror movies right so i came in expecting like gut fest <laughs> just you know blood everywhere and there's not really any there's uh you know the disturbing the girl eating the glass yes um there's of course the uh isaac later on expelling the video reel um there is the original developer i think his name is beck if we're to assume that he's also the shadowy guy at the end which is Never explicitly said, but heavily implied. But um, yes, I was led to believe. He just straight up sticks a knife in his arm. Yeah, he straight up sticks a knife in his arm and the uh, while the other guy's eating his own forearm. But it's never really anything too graphic or scary. But then you've got these, uh, the way they kind of recreate those scenes in the dot matrix format. You know, when the levels right. end and it's, oh, here's Hal's son who no longer has a tongue. And it's like, that that was just cool. It wasn't scary by any means. It was kind of gross, but it was just cool to look at. Yeah, no, and, and that is one thing about this movie, you know, and and uh, the, the, we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll mix them up a little bit. But, uh, you know, the, the tech-based murder of the whole thing, right? Because there was an odd... Like like I said, when I was talking about the story, the idea of playing a game to stay alive it is nothing new. It, you know, there's an entire Saw franchise based on that, right? But the way that this played out where it was, it wasn't just about keeping you alive. It was about what you were willing to do to other people in order to further yourself. And that's where that's where things got interesting, right? Because Saw is all about what are you willing to do to yourself to stay alive are you going to walk around on broken glass while holding a small candle and covered in you know flammable liquid to you know to to find the code to get out and you know crawling through broad wire and, and just all those insane traps we're always about what are you willing to do to yourself in order to stay alive what cursor ends up giving us is are you willing to put people through these awful scenarios in order for you for you to prosper but what's interesting is 
once you become the cursor and the person who is actually prospering, then the decision becomes easier to put people through these scenarios because you don't have to, it doesn't have to be people around you. It doesn't have to be anything that you've got anything to do with. You know, this this guy Beck that we kind of find out is, is behind the scenes the whole time. This guy didn't know anything about Kayla. She just kind of ended up with the game. And so, yeah, just being the one who's sitting around making sure, you know, just getting her, getting people to play it. That's real easy. So, and then with Kayla, and when she's actually playing, yes, ultimately she thinks she she stands to win. What it was one hundred twenty five grand. She thinks she stands to win that, but it's not like it was like or just you know your mom will be okay and you can't win the money. So there was never a a, um, a, a moral dilemma or a, a sacrificial element to this because it was literally just choose or die like somebody's gonna die you know and like do you are you gonna let it be them or are you know are we just gonna make the choice for you because the when Hal first plays the game unless I miss something he never actually picked tongue or eyes that I saw it just kind of chose for him as it was screaming because he he didn't because he didn't do anything so ultimately, you can't even say, okay, you know what? The money's not worth it. I quit. Don't hurt my family members. And so the 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 moral obligation that you that, that they kind of hinted around being um, attached to this game becomes null and void. And it just becomes about whether or not you make it, I guess. Like that's where things got muddied was they, they seem to want to... Um, they seem to want us to worry about these people. And it's like, oh, oh my gosh, is she going to save her mom? And ultimately it came down to it was like, well, she told her mom to jump out a window so she didn't die. And I mean, I don't know, like, is I, she's alive? So that's obviously a better choice. But it's it, the players were never given the option to just tap out and be like, I don't care about the money anymore. Like, I, I'm done. And then it then it actually would have been like a like I said a, a moral dilemma as to whether or not the safety of the people around you was more important than getting you know which 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 is you know life changing money. Right, and yeah, they never. Um, yeah, there's there's the whole anytime the two people that we've watched participate have attempted to ignore it and kind of dip out it is very quickly just the screeching in the ears and and of course when it happens to hal he gives in and i'm going to correct you he did pick tongue um oh okay it's part it's it's thinking you'll miss it kind of thing um so it does the whole he doesn't want to pick he tries to run away and then the uh uh-huh. He goes down like there's kind of a black screen. He goes downstairs, and it the wife with the knife and the tongue, and the kid just pouring blood from his face. And then it starts cutting to the credits, and it shows the little text entry: "His tongue." Oh, okay. so he did make See, the I... choice. It's just not obvious. It's kind of one of those we're gonna slip this in there kind of thing. And uh, I'll I'll say the only reason I noticed is because I went back and rewatched it just to. Like I said, nitpick the annoying little things like the fact that it allegedly <laughs> takes place in the state of New York. Um, 
so there's that. But then, of course, whenever we see Kayla do the exact same thing when she's in the diner that the 24 is an all night diner, but isn't diner. an all night diner. Yeah, whatever that whole sit. Again, this movie is very nondescript about a lot of things, and that really bothered me more than anything. Is that like, oh, I'd love to let you sit here, but if my asshole boss wakes up, it's like, well, he's sitting ten feet away and he hasn't responded to any of the noises you all have made, so I think that should be okay. But right. anyway, um, whenever she is faced with her, you know, taking a break and then cleaning up, and it's like, oh my god, I've just accidentally forced this waitress to swallow three glasses worth of broken shards of glass it tries to give her the same screeching what are you doing kind of thing and she just trucks on through puts that guy with a hit stick and goes over trying to desperately help this girl (laughs) but like you said there's still no negative implication to like hey at least she tried uh, but it never even, you know, there's no deadly implications to her trying that. Cause you would think with, besides the whole, oh, Hey, uh, yeah, whenever I make a game and you cheat, it's actually going to hurt. And they turn that back around on Isaac. It's like, oh, Hey, you tried to cheat the game. We're going to kill your best friend, but there's right. still never anything dire as far as the player is concerned. So like you said, there is no moral like yeah it's are you real it's again testing what you're willing to put other people through but there's never any implication of choose or die but it's choose or we're going to kill everybody around you and you'll just kind of skate through until we get to the end right exactly and so and then you know for for a movie called choose or die and and what ended up becoming the 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 mo- you know kind of the what, what I thought was the best scene and when they, when her and Isaac are together and they get, it's like, Oh, red, blue, red door, or blue door. And they go to blue door and it's locked. So it's like, they didn't even have a choice. Like they, they, I mean, and yes, he puts his ear to it and he hears, he hears the, somebody whisper and say dies. And he's like, okay, red's not that bad, but he commented that blue was locked and then just red just open. So it didn't seem like they had a choice. But that being said, that did lead to, I think, the the time that the game really went out of its way, like went out of its way to to fuck with Kayla. And that was putting her in that empty pool where we're suddenly the reality shifting and altering powers of this game in that one moment were were skyrocketed beyond anything we ever saw it do before or after that where she is in a totally different place and her brother that was dead is now kind of there. But that moment where she has to choose, you know, save Isaac, save your brother. And she eventually chooses Isaac. Well, you know, she said, I know that he wasn't real. He's not alive, blah, blah, blah. But that was, that was a level of psychological torture that I, that I honestly was worse i would think than watching a mostly stranger waitress eat glass i don't know in my opinion oh yeah um definitely and that's one of those fell under the like i was saying the aesthetics of video games really cool effort they put into that the mistiness and the the lights just kind of made it look perfect 
yeah, it did force her into that situation. And, and again, subtext uh, uh, <laughs> where they they kind of like, hey, uh, just in case you guys didn't process, this girl's fucked up. She feels bad about her. She feels responsible for her brother dying. And that's heavily implied up until now. And just to make sure right. you didn't understand that, we're going to have her word for word explain why it forced her to strangle her not real brother to death to hammer home the idea that she felt responsible not watching him when he was going swimming. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the whole, hey, uh, you know he wasn't real, right? It's like, yeah, that's why I saved you. Like, yeah, no <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. Again, these yeah, are a we... lot of things you don't have to say but reads like a bad video game because in a bad video game, that is exactly what the characters would say because you need to buy the time until the next screen loads. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and like you said, this isn't a, this isn't a, a, a gore fest. Uh, I mean, she, we, we watch Hal go through one level of it. We watch her go through a couple but each one just, you know, even when the, when she's in level two and she's dealing with all the stuff with her mom, we only see the aftermath of that. We see the apartment is trashed. We see her mom is in a hospital bed. We don't actually see, um, you know, what happened to her mom. And, you know, we back and forth on, you know, what, when gore is used effectively, the little bit that they had in here, I did think was interesting that the eating glass was, was crazy. The, uh, the, the, the guy stabbing his own arm and then watching the blood go back in. I don't know. That's a lot of blood for just taking a scalpel to your arm in just a few seconds, but I'm no doctor. I'm no doctor. Um, and to say it was used effectively, I don't know, but I can say one thing that was done very effectively was the bizarre and creepy, like, if you're watching us live, you can kind of see it behind us. The way that Hal's son had magazine parts taped over his body, we're assuming covering up things that happened to him when Hal was still attempting to play the game. Again, that one is just kind of left open to interpretation, but it did lead to some really creepy visuals. Yeah, and that's uh, that's I've made specific mention in my notes about yeah, there's no gore, but the understated part of it's almost scarier. And I even specifically wrote down, like you said, with this kid, you finally, you know, you kind of uh, you kind of start off with Hal and his family, and then okay, now we're going to jump to this, and you get to the point seventy minutes later where you almost forgot that happened. Right. Honestly, when I was watching it, the first time through we get around to like boss battle boss battle go to his coordinates and i'm like okay boss battle god i really hope that the the boss is like the evil manifestation of robert england just showing up to fight this girl <laughs> and then but like but like in all there was the moment of like they go into the, the house and Yeah, it's, it's like some sort of weird dot matrix version of Robert Englund that's now come out of the computer and is going to, you know, since they joked about earlier on that she has absolutely no idea who he is, that that would be, that'd be just kind of a funny way to end this. Really 
ridiculous movie is that she has to fight a computer program version of Robert England. But then we get to the house and she walks in and it's, oh, hey, uh, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, shit, I completely forgot about that guy. <laughs> yeah, and so we end up with these really and, uh, creepy so, yeah, visuals the, of this family. You know, you kind of... Yeah, yeah, you reckon with like, oh, some weird stuff must have gone down. I guess he made the wife cut half of her face off and the kid plucked his eye out and cut his mouth out or his tongue's cut out. So now, now that's kind of that weird, like, uh, I would equate it to if anybody or you have ever seen Boardwalk Empire, the like hitman guy that was, a, uh, I think he was a World War One sniper. So he had the kind of mask that covered part of his face. Yeah, they called him Half Moon, I believe. Sounds right. Yeah. It's like for, for anybody who may be watching live or just listening, we are having some technical difficulties and hunger is kind of operating on like a seven second tape delay. So imagine this is like you're watching uh, you're watching a football game. Whenever I throw to him down on the field, it's just taking a few seconds for it all to play out for him. Uh-oh. Did you freeze now? Sorry, I didn't know if you wanted me to continue. I was oh, done with what oh, I was okay. saying. I thought... Oh, okay, yeah. Just... So, so... um, so Oh, no, as... we didn't freeze. I just didn't know where to go okay. from there. That was pretty much the end of my thought. Got it. So, then we'll move on from that to... uh, We've got uh, another... You know, we've talked... We've mentioned a lot of names. We've talked about a lot of people. So, I mean, this game comes down... This game, this movie comes down to two types of people. Cursors and curses. So we've mentioned a lot of names. We've talked about the people. Tell me what you think about the, I mean, this movie has a very small cast. I mean, we're really only dealing with two people for a majority of it. So leaned real heavily on their shoulders. What'd you think about the cast of this movie, man? All right. Trying to think where to start. Um, you know what? I usually start high and then kind of build towards a low i'm going to start low and build towards a high just because i think that is only fair uh as i mentioned earlier with the kind of loose construction of this there's a lot of one-dimensional aspects of the characters and i'm not going to hold that against the actors uh definitely iola evans uh did a great job with what she had which wasn't much besides the whole you know this down on her luck girl Ain't nobody ever made it out of here kind of lifestyle <laughs> uh, wanting to desperately be a coder. Uh, but it's kind of stuck in, in this situation where she is with her, you know, her mom lost her brother. Um, God, that fucking Lance guy. Uh, um, <laughs> drug dealer. Thought he was a landlord at one point, but then he makes mention of the landlord. Uh, he's definitely a drug dealer, alleged prostitute, uh, alleged pimp. Um, general scumbag i guess we can call it really yeah. not much to that besides the generic antagonist of you know like i said he's there to drop you the quintessential i'm from the slums one-liners of oh yeah you know your mom when she was younger everybody here thought she was going to be the one to get out it's like he's there for that stuff that's it um but other than that, we've got Iola Evans did a great job, as I mentioned. 
uh, Asa Butterfield to touch back to what we kind of loosely uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, man, this tough thing about child actors is that, you know, they get there and they do a string of films like The Boy in the Striped Pajamas and Hugo and Ender's Game. And then, unfortunately, sometimes 10 years later, you see them playing a sad boy with a crustache in a poorly funded Netflix uh, horror film. <laughs> and oh, nothing against Asa Butterfield. Uh, I mean, he really, he really nailed that character uh, for what it was. <laughs> and... That is just what the character was. Uh, and then finally, of course, the other major person you have to mention, because like you said, there's really only two uh, overall three, if you count the maybe 15 minutes of screen time that he had. Good old Eddie Marson. And yeah. again, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything ill of Eddie Marson. I don't know him outside of watching him in this. And in the classic Simon Pegg movie, The World's End, that yes. dude can play the hell out of beleaguered, put-down, middle-aged house husband because, man, that if there was anybody who was going to deliver your, um, boy, can't guys like me be the hero anymore? It had to be him, at least, in, you know, for what they were, uh, at least for what the movie was, it had to be him. Yeah, um, he was, he was a standout for me for the little bit that he got, because you're right, he just, he so perfectly encompassed this idea of, of this rundown guy who just nothing was going right for him. You know, I we're, we're. Dave and I and you we're we're all nerds to an extent and we we've all got our collections and Dave always does this show with with his collection behind him but he doesn't he doesn't reach that level of keeping it from letting him live in the present and uh Eddie Marson just he did such a good job with this role uh the you know I know him from World's End and he was uh in Ray Donovan he was in, he was in the main cast of Ray Donovan. He played uh, Terry, and uh, he was great in that. And it, it was it was a similar you know type of character, but he just he did such a great job and just everything he delivered at that at, to the when they first walk in and they're doing the prayer before dinner and he's just you know quoting eighty song lyrics and stuff like that. Just all of that stuff was so funny. I really did enjoy that. <laughs> Um, you know, Asa Butterfield, man, like, like you said, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him, the dude. It's just, yeah, all those things you named. I mean, he was, he was out there just knocking it out of the park and then things just don't always happen. Right. And I, I, I think that he kind of did what he could with what he had. I think that honestly, Isaac was just a really poorly written character and they just kind of, you know, lucked into to Butterfield doing this role. I think that you you use the word one dimensional. I think that that sums it up so well. I, I don't think that anybody in this had any depth to them. 
they were all very much just um you know they they were they were all just characters straight out of an npc book right you you just got a bunch of people who had this one specific role to fill they had to say things that specifically fit those strict guidelines on who they were and you know that that's all they were given to work with so i'm not upset with any of the actors it's just one of those things where, like we like we said at the beginning, and, and we've said this about movies before, you start off with a great storyboard because the storyboard is, you know, just just I just this one scene and that one scene. And it's and it's how do you bring it all to life? How do you make it all connect in a way that matters? What's interesting about Ace talking about that with Asa Butterfield is he, yes, he did Ender's game. And while Ender's Game was a fine movie, it suffered from something very similar, which was they took all the parts of Ender's Game that were main plot points in the book, and then they just put those on screen. They completely removed all the connective tissue that made those things make sense from one scene to the next. So now I've got two Ace of Butterfield uh, movies under my belt that just are, are a collection of cool scenes but as an entire movie, just kind of fall flat. So, uh, I mean, unless you got anything else to say about characters, I think that that is going to take us into the rating section. So if you are new to the show, then we would like to remind you or just teach you that in every movie we rate only against itself. So yes, I referenced Ender's Game. We talked about all these great movies today. So Butterfield is made. We're not comparing this to any of those. We're not comparing it to Saw and all those other things that we've talked about. When we go to rate it, we're just looking at choose or die. And so in order to do that effectively for every movie that we rate, we create a unique rating system. And Hunger as the guest, as you know, you get to pick what the rating system is going to be. So what are we rating choose or die out of a possible five of? You know, normally when I come into these things, you know, I end up being born. Uh, I've I've got, you know, an idea here, a loose concept here. Can't really f- decide what perfectly sums up a movie. This one stood out to me like it punched me in the face. I am going to go with horrifying dial-up screeches. Yes. Okay. I like it horrifying dial-up screeches yes yes that does it so much that is that that is fantastic so hunger out of a possible five horrifying dial-up screeches what do you give choose or die all right so i mentioned before or before being at the very top of the episode i'm going to preface this because i know i've danced around a lot of things and of course, again, we rate movies against themselves and nothing else. And I felt silly. I thought to myself the first time I watched this and kind of started getting my notes together. It's like, surely I can't go with that. That just seems that it just can't be. And then the more I thought about it, and again, this is me really giving Toby Meekins a lot of credit. And just hope on my part, man, I, 
for what they were going for, they nailed it. So I have to go with five out of five horrifying modem screeches. (laughs) I love it so much. And that is the pinnacle of why we only rate a movie against itself. Because when you look at a particular movie like this one, if the concept was to create a movie that watches like a bad video game from the 80s would play, then yeah, they really kind of knocked that out of the park, right? So I, I I respect that choice. I really, really do. That harkens back to one of my very first episodes when uh, Neary gave uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Uh, a five out of five and couldn't figure out why until it was like, well, you know, it's just, it was exactly what it was supposed to be. Right. I am not willing to give Toby Meekins quite so much credit. Uh, So I do think that what I got here was fun to watch. I really do. I think that it was fun to watch. I think that it was kind of confusing. I think that it was disjointed, Um, but I think it was fun to watch. I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the scoring um the visually visually this movie is phenomenal there's there are a lot of great images from this movie there are a lot of really fun things that you enjoy watching um this was my second time seeing it this was my first time seeing it where i wasn't dozing because this was one that i originally ran across just really late at night on netflix so it was my second time seeing it my first time seeing it kind of in its entirety and like i said i'm just i'm not willing i do love that idea that this movie was built to watch like a bad video game plays but i'm not willing to give quite as much credit on that as you are so I'm going to let this sit solidly at three horrifying dial-up uh, internet screeches because it, it was it was fun to it was it was fun to watch. I did enjoy it. It didn't make a lot of sense at a lot of points, but I got some good visuals. I got some good music, and it's one that that I've enjoyed talking about. That I'm going to enjoy telling people about. And so I, I'm going I'm to let it sit three because it's just kind of middle of the road, standard, made for TV horror movie fare. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to go with three. Hey, uh, you know, I really, I, I definitely respect that. Like I, like I said, I felt silly five out of five, but I just spent the last basically an hour talking about why this worked in so many different ways when coming at it, you know, from this different point of view and just, I can't put all this time into this idea and then come at the end and be like, Oh yeah, well it, you know, it sucked. It's a, it's a bad movie. (laughs) Yeah, no, fair enough. Absolutely. So there you have it. So the quick math on that is that the official horror rating of choose or die is four horrifying internet screech horror dial up internet horrors horrible screeches i've screwed it all sorts of up uh horrifying dial up internet screeches is uh, the official ranking is four of those uh so if you have made it through us and 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 made it through the technical difficulties we appreciate everybody listening hunger i know you pitched it a little bit in the middle of the episode but tell everybody where they can find you online and how if they are listening locally they can come enjoy your trivia yeah uh 
So that's, I usually have it on the screen, but I kind of changed things up today because I was, again, with the technical difficulties, fiddling a little bit. Uh, at Tallboy Trivia, T-A-L-L-B-Y Trivia, all one word, no spaces or anything. Uh, that's Facebook and Instagram. I do a trivia night on Mondays at the Gray Lady. That's on Greensboro in downtown Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, we'd love to have you if you ever want to come by. Um, we kind of alternate general knowledge and theme nights. This coming Monday at 8 p.m. is going to be general knowledge. The week after that is going to be Ted Lasso trivia. And if you've watched before, you might notice I've got a little bit of an increased production value. I'm no longer using the little uh, PlayStation microphone. I've got some more uh, webcams and microphone things. So you could also find me on TikTok, also at Tallboy Trivia. Uh, I'm going to try to start doing like kind of weekly you know, question of the week type of things. If you're into that, whether you're going to be here or not, maybe it's something you want to watch. Maybe it's not. I'd appreciate the follow either way. All right. So there you have it. Look, I've done it with hunger plenty. I've done the trivia with hunger plenty of times. I've helped him. I've played it. The man is great. He knows his shit. It's fantastic. So if you are listening or watching locally, get out there and support him over at the gray lady. Uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me. Hunger. Uh, thank you for suffering through for, you know, just whatever was going on with us. Um, it has been a great episode. This movie was a lot of fun. I wouldn't have done it with anybody but you. So thank you so much. And for everybody out there listening, if you are wondering about us, of course, you can head to shiverpod.com where you will find links to all of our social media outlets. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as live streaming on YouTube every Wednesday at 9, 8 central. If you watch us live, you can always comment and let us know what you think of the particular movies. We've been getting some really good responses with our Instagram here lately. And I appreciate everybody who's liking, commenting, and sharing all of those posts. It's really, we, we had a moment where we started to break through the noise. I'm trying to get more on board with staying on top of that Instagram so we can a little bit. Maybe we can get some more great people on here um, like Nikia Day and some of those people who are out there just doing the damn thing. Um, and in reference to Nikia Day, if you get, if you, uh, look up the movie Still Chosen by Random. They are out there still trying to crowdsource the end of that movie. Nakia was a wonderful guest, and I want to make sure that I give her the shout-out. If you are listening, look up Still Chosen by Random, and you can find them online. And if you like what you see, toss them a couple bucks. Let's help get, uh, make that movie get made. And uh, so check that out. Also, don't forget, Dave and I are going to be at Spooky Empire at the end of October. We look forward to meeting anybody who may be in the Florida area and listens to us. Come out and have a beer. We're just going to be walking around just awestruck at all the people who are going to be there. There are some fantastic names on that guest list. Of course, you can head to SpookyEmpire.com. If you are interested in going and want to see who's on the guest list, it's not an expensive con, and there's going to be some really great people there. So that's going to do it for us here. I appreciate each and every one of you guys for listening. Check us out online. And, of course, we'll see you next week. And fright you very much.